And in case you're wondering, I'm Pastor Scott, and, uh, and uh, you know, 12 years ago, my wife and I, we started this thing, and, you know, with a few people, and God's just been blessing us, and we're just honored, and just excited, here we are in our 12th year of, of Lake Point Church, and, um, and I'm 80% deaf, so that means, you know, I only hear 20% of the complaint, so I'm, I'm good with that. But uh, so good, so glad that you're here. Um, if you look at the program, a couple of things that's happening, a lot of good stuff that's happening here at Lake Point. Next Sunday, I'm starting a brand new message series called Anxious for Nothing and how to defeat anxiety and stress that we're all facing. I think all of us are facing some type of stress, some type of anxiety, maybe in our family, maybe at the job. Maybe you've got some anxiety about what's happening around the world, you know, economically, you know, with wars on the other side of the world. Uh, There's anxiety. And we're going to be addressing that in the next few weeks. And I hope you'll be back here next weekend, um, next Sunday morning, 9 o'clock or 1030, and um, be a part of one of our services as we talk about anxious for nothing. There's also a bunch of other stuff that's happening in the program. You can read it. So check it all out, okay? BBS, we got child dedication on Mother's Day, and uh, we want to be a blessing to your family. Well, today, I want to talk about doors. Doors. I got a door up here, right? You, you kind of pick up on that. Um, I, I think for, it's safe to say that every person in this room this morning, every person in this room, you went through a door. I think all of us, we went through a door. We went through multiple doors. You know, for me, you know, and maybe you're like me, probably the first door you woke up to uh, that you walked through this morning was the bathroom door. I mean, you can say that, that's what I did. I got out of bed, and that was the first door, the bathroom door. And then you went into the closet, you had to go through a door or a doorway. And then to get out of the bedroom, you had to, to go through a door. Uh, you, you, you went outside. To go outside, you have to go through a, a door. And to get to church, you have to jump into a car. How do you get in the car? Car door, okay? So, you know, and then you got here in the church and walked through a couple of doors to get here. Every person in the room today, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, you went through a door. You went through a door. You know, the other, uh, the other day, um, actually a few months ago, uh, there, there, was actually, there was actually a debate on some social media, on Twitter, about more doors versus more wheels in the world. And there was an argument, you know, for, hey, that some people believed that there were more doors than wheels. And some people said, no, there's more wheels than doors. And, and I, I tend to believe that there are more doors than wheels. I mean, you start adding it all up, and, you know, and I can give you a whole, a whole reason why I believe that, okay? But it's crazy. I believe there are more doors than wheels in the world. Here's the deal. We have a culture of doors. We like doors. And, and, and at the end of the day, here's what doors mean. A door means one of two things, access or no access. Access or no access. If the door's unlocked, if the door's open, that means you have access. If the door is locked, you know, maybe you're trying to get to a door, the door is, you know, and it, the, the door is locked, that means they're closed. You don't have access. You know, you go to someone's house that's not yours and the front door is locked. Believe me when I say this, but you don't have access, you know, unless they invite you in. 
And so a door means access or no access. In 1988, I was in seventh grade, and, and I was a manager for a varsity basketball team. Now, you said, well, the manager, that's something. It was a special title for water boy, okay? <laughs> and I was the water boy. I was the ball guy, all right? And I was on the team. I traveled with the team on our varsity basketball team. And, uh, and one of the games that our varsity basketball team had was at the Silverdome. Remember the Silverdome? And at the Pontiac Silverdome. And, and, and that, at that time, the Pistons, the Detroit Pistons, they played basketball at the Silverdome. In fact, this would have been the last season that the Detroit Pistons played at the Silverdome before they move on to the, the palace, the, uh, you know, the palace the following year, where the following year they won the NBA championship. And so this is the year before they won the NBA championship. And I, you know, our team had a game and then after that game, we're going to be a game with the Pistons versus the LA Lakers. And, uh, and we're talking about, you know, championship team Lakers versus, you know, Detroit Pistons who are trying to win the championship. All right? And so this was a regular season game, and we had a game right before their game. And, and I was the seventh grade kid, the manager, they gave me a lanyard which means I had access. You know, all my friends, on this, in the, in the, in the, my seventh and eighth grade friends grew up in the stand and said, Scott, how come we can't get down on the floor where you at? I just had to pull up my lanyard. I said, I've got access, baby. I've got complete access. And, and, and I mean, I could walk on the Pistons floor. I mean, it was amazing. And now I, I was shooting the basketball. I was, channeling my inner Isaiah Thomas, you know, and, and I was doing all the great stuff, and, 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 I, and then the Lakers, you know, some of the Lakers players came out for some pregame, you know, interviews, some of the Lakers and some of the Pistons, I'm rubbing shoulders a little bit with Magic Johnson, I'm rubbing shoulders with Kareem, and then there's Pat Riley, the famous basketball coach for the Lakers, and then there comes Isaiah Thomas and, and Joe Dumas and Dennis Rodman back when he was normal. I mean, it was all great. <laughs> it was all great. I'm, I'm just so excited to be here. I'm like, man, I've got access. And then, and then our game was over. And our, our, game, our team go to the locker room and then you have their post-game pep rally or the post-game talk and get clean and change up and change. And, and so I'm like, I don't need to be in the locker room. I'm, I got to milk out this lanyard before they take it away. And so I started wandering the halls of the Pontiac Silverdome. You know, I'm checking every door. If it was unlocked, I opened it to check it in. If it was locked, I said, okay, I, I guess I don't have permission. And I'm just opening doors. And I'm walking down the hallway. And I'm walking through this one door. And I, had, I didn't pay attention to what was on the door. But I opened the door, walked right in. And I had no idea that I walk in the LA Lakers locker room. And there's Pat Riley and the whole basketball team having a pregame pep talk. And I interrupted Pat Riley. And there's Pat Riley looking at me. There's Magic, Kareem, I'm actually James Worthy, they're all looking at me. And I froze. I said, uh oh. 
I thought I had assets, but I really didn't. But I opened up my lanyard. I pulled up my lanyard. <laughs> assets. I'm okay. But I walk out. I walk out of that room because I didn't want them to call security. I ran away as fast as I could. Doors. Doors. We're going to talk about doors today. You know, the scripture is full of doors. Full of doors. If you go back to the book of Genesis, back, back to the Garden of Eden, where the first humans, Adam and Eve, had a complete, perfect harmony with the heavenly Father, the Creator God. They had complete access to God. And things were going great until one day Adam and Eve turned their back on this door and they made a willful decision, a choice, to turn their back on God and to open their own door. They thought, hey, if I open up my own door, I might find a better way, a better life. And they started doing that, and they started turning their, face, turning their back against God Almighty. You could almost say that Adam and Eve, they sinned. And when they sinned against God, when they turned their back on God, they slammed the door in God's face. And when you slam the door in God's face, when you sin, there's a separation. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse number two, it says your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sin have hidden his face from you. And Adam and Eve, they slammed the door in the face of God. Have, have, you ever had your, have you ever had a door slam in your face? Right, don't raise your hand. <laughs> but it's not cool. All right, it's happened. It's not fun. You know, it's almost insulting. You know, man, what was that for? And they slammed the door in the face of God. And for the first time in creation, They've lost access to God. Now, God, being God, could have done many things. He could have done a number of things. God could have just, you know, take them out. Or, or God said, you know what? I don't want to have anything to do with these humans. He could have just walked away. But God didn't do that. Here's what happened. The Bible said that Adam and Eve, after a while, they realized they had sinned against God. Bible said that when they realized that they've sinned against God, they realized that they were naked. And they went and got some big leaves and, 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 and to cover themselves up. And then they hid from God. You know, you can't hide from God. But God is not just thin as a closed door. Behind every closed door of your life, God knows everything about it. But they tried to hide from God. They've had it, they played its cosmic hide and go seek with the heavenly father. And there's God, he's walking through the garden looking for Adam and Eve. And they came out. And God did something to Adam and Eve that made their head, made their head spin. God took an animal. By the way, Adam and Eve, they've never seen death at this point, ever. Death has not been introduced to creation. 
But God took an innocent animal and right in front of Adam and Eve, God killed that animal. You see, Adam and Eve, they've never seen the unnatural movements of death. Adam and Eve had never seen blood being spilled out on the floor of earth. They, were, they must have been horrified. Uh, and I think God took that animal, that dead animal, and skinned it and covered, covered Adam and Eve nakedness. What's all this but a foreshadowing, a future picture of what Jesus was one day going to do, what God was one day going to do for all of mankind. That one day that there will be an innocent third party that will cover the sin of not just Adam and Eve, but the sins of humanity, of all mankind. And Adam and Eve, God was dropping hints along the way to Adam and Eve that this closed door was not a done deal. That God had something coming, something greater than an innocent animal. We fast forward 2,500 years later, and there's the Israelites. They're a nation, but they are now under bondage by Egypt. They're slaves. The Bible says that God raised up a man named Moses to go to Pharaoh to tell him to let my people go. And the long story short, believe it or not, it all came down to a, to a door. It was the 10th plague that God was filling out. 10th plague, God told the people, God told the Israelites that every family to take a spotless lamb and to kill it. And then you take the blood of that lamb and you to smear the blood on the door frame of their house. So that night, when the death angel comes through, when they see the blood of a spotless lamb being spread around the door frame, that death angel will pass over. And that's why Jewish people celebrate the Passover. It's a remembrance of salvation from Egypt, which is actually a bigger foreshadowing of a greater person that God had in mind. We fast forward about in a few more, you know, a couple thousand more years later. And God himself stepped forward in time in history. And God sent the second person of the Godhead Trinity. God sent his son Jesus to be born in a manger. He lived a perfect life. There was one day that Jesus was talking to a group of people, and there was an audience that was listening to him. Some disciples and people that were curious about Jesus. Maybe some religious people were in the crowd. And Jesus made a profound statement. The Bible says in John chapter 10 and verse number 9, Jesus tells the people, I am the door. 
I am the door. He didn't say I am a door. He said I am the door. And then he said this, whoever enters through me shall be saved. He will be saved. He will be able to go in and out and he will find pastors. Here's what Jesus was saying. Whoever enters through me, he will be safe. And he will be satisfied. He will live the abundant life through me. And then he said, you know, a few verses later, in verse number 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep. What was Jesus talking about? He, Jesus had given a prophetic word. Now, it went right over their head. The people that were listening to Jesus, they, they, it didn't register. But Jesus was talking about his death. He said, I'm going to lay down my life. And then he said this in verse number uh, uh, 17. Again, another prophetic word went right over their head. He said, for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. Again, he's talking about the, the crucifixion. He's talking about his death. And then he talk about his resurrection. He said in verse 18, he said, nobody takes my life from me. He said, I lay it down. I lay down my own life on my own accord. You know, some argued, some thought, you know, what put Jesus on the cross. Some, some would argue well, it, was, it was the Roman soldiers. They put Jesus on the cross. Some would say, no, it was, the, it was the religious leaders. They put Jesus on the cross. And some would say, no, 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 no. It was our sins that put Jesus on the cross. My friend, the real answer is this. It was Jesus himself, motivated by our sins. But it was himself. He was in full control of laying down his own life. The Bible says this, it says, I have the authority. Oh man, I have the power, the authority to lay my life down. And I have the authority to take it up again. We fast forward again and toward the end of Jesus' life. In fact, we come to the night before Jesus was to be crucified. And Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus was praying to God the Father. He said, God, if it's your will, may I not go through the door of pain, the door of suffering. May I not go through the door of death. God, if there's another way, let's find another door. Let's find a different way. And three times he told his father, and three times the father of God, he said, you've got to go through the door. Jesus, you've got to go through the door. Now, let, let me just stop you for a minute. If there had been another way, 
If there had been another road, then the Heavenly Father would have told Jesus, let's just wait. Let's just go. Another door will open. But there wasn't. The only door for the redemption for humanity, the only door that would give us eternal hope was through the door of death. And Jesus knew, Jesus knew that he had to go through that door. Remember, it's not a door. It's not a door, but it's the door. Jesus is the door. He said in John chapter 14, verse number six, what did he say? He said, I am the way. I am it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father. No man has access to the Father except through me. I am the door. I am the door to full access to the Father. And this is the great message of Easter. This is why we celebrate. Jesus wants to become your door. He wants to become your door. What, what, what's the door for? The door is for you. The door is for me. Jesus, he died on the cross for my sins and for your sins. He voluntarily did that for you and for me. He voluntarily laid down his life. And the only thing that kept Jesus on the cross wasn't the nails in his hand, but it was love that held him up. Love for you and for me. And out of his great love, out of his mercy and grace, he spilled out his blood for your sins and for mine, the perfect lamb of God. The Bible says that on the cross, he became sin for you and for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made Jesus, who never had sin, to be sin for you and for me. So that in him, through Christ, the door, we might be made the righteousness of God. And on that cross, God the Father had to shut the door on his own son. For the first time in eternity, God the Father and God the Son who had perfect relationship, perfect harmony, for the first time in eternity, God had to turn his back on his own beloved son because he was becoming sin for you and for me, the sin of humanity, the sin of all mankind was being put on him, a God who's holy, God who's just, who can't see sin, who can't look at sin, had to shut the door on his own son. And then Jesus breathed his last breath and everyone thought, man, it's over. The Messiah has clocked out. He is finished. We won't see him anymore. And they put him off the cross. They put his body in a tomb. They rolled the door over the tomb. They sealed it up. 
And meanwhile, Satan was having a victory dance. He said, man, I've won. I've defeated the Messiah. I have locked the door. He is finished. And I'm going to take the key. And I'm going to throw it in the pit of hell. And while Jesus was in the tomb, you know what he was doing on your behalf and mine? Oh, he was taking your punishment. He was taking your hell. And he went to the pit of hell. He found the key that was once stolen, that was once lost. And it was taken back. And on that third Sunday morning, on that third day, Jesus opened the door and he defeated death. He defeated the door of death, the door of grave. And he became victorious on this Easter Sunday morning. He took back the key. He took back the key for you and for me. The great message of Easter is that Jesus wants to be your door. And Jesus stands at the door because he is the door. He is the door. He, he extends his nail-scarred hands with the key that's covered in blood. He said it's been paid for. The key can be yours to unlock the door of your life. And let me in. Let me in. Jesus said, John 10, 9, whoever enters me will be saved. You'll find pastoral. You'll be satisfied. You'll find it in him. I, I, love the, I love the word, the key word in there. It's whoever. Whoever. I, I remember when I was a kid. I was a child of the 80s. Child of the 80s. Those were the best times. Uh, good old days. You know, and I remember when the grocery stores put out some electronic doors. Back then, it wasn't a little motion camera that hadn't been invented yet. It was an electronic pad. How many of you remember the electronic pad? Okay, you step on the electronic pad, and what happens? The door opens. It, it, it didn't matter who you were. The door opens. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I, I would see how, you know, how light I could touch that electronic pad. It, it, it didn't take much. It opens. You know, we're all curious. It's a new thing. Electronic doors. And here's what I've learned. As I watched the electronic doors, it never, it never refused anybody. It didn't matter who you were. It took people all, all shape, all size, all colors, all stripes. <laughs> The door never refused anybody. You just had to have the faith to step on that electronic pad and the door opened. Jesus says, I am the door. Whoever enters through me, prostitutes, adulterers, cheaters, liars, people that struggle with lust, and greed, whoever, whoever stepped through me, I will let him in. And I'll give him the key. Whoever. Life is a series of doors. Life, we've been talking about scripture, scripture full of doors. But life is full of doors, full of decisions that you and I have to make. We make them all the time. 
But there are three doors I want to finish up here. There are three doors that are common in every person's life. Two of those doors you can't control. But one door you can. The first door, you can't control this first door, is the door of birth. We just showed up. <laughs> you had no say in the matter. We all just showed up and we started living. The door of birth. The second door that we can't control is the door of death. And we can't control that door either. Every person in this room, listen, every person in this room have a terminal disease called life. The day you were born was the day you started dying. And we can't control that. But there is a third door. And the third door you can control at the door of eternal life. You see, the door of eternal life, we can't control. And you have the choice. You have the choice to whether to take the key that Jesus died, spilled his blood for, paid by his blood, you could take the key and open the door. Or you could choose not to take the key. I can't make that choice for you. Your spouse, your friend, they can't make that choice for you. Only you can make that choice. We have a freedom of choice. We either respond to the door or not. We can open the door and have complete access to God and live with him for eternity. Or we say, God, I don't want to walk through your door. And by doing so, refusing not to live with him for eternity in a place of hell. But the choice is yours to make. You control that choice. And the only time you can control that door is while you're alive here on earth. The choice is yours. And Jesus, my friend, he wants to meet you right where you are. And all you have to do, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I've, I've messed up. I've messed up. I've gone through a series of doors in my life and every door I've walked through has been nothing but short of my life. I've gone through, God, I've gone through doors of financial success and I've walked through those doors. And on the other side, at first was wonderful, but then at the end of the day, I realized I was missing something. Man, I, I've been through doors of relationship. I've been in one marriage or another marriage and, 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 and this relationship and that relationship. And, I, and I, every time I walk through, at first it's wonderful, but then at the end of the day, I'm not satisfied. You know, you know why? You know why, you know why you have this feeling of, I'm, just, I feel like there's something more? It's because, and you may not understood at the time, but the Holy Spirit of God put in your heart for a desire for 
side door. Maybe some of you have gone through doors of, of addictions and drugs and, and, and set back after and hang ups. And every time you walk through those doors, you feel like you're missing something. I tell you what you're missing, you know in the deep of your heart, you have a desire for the door. And Jesus said, whoever enters through me, you're going to be saved and you will find full satisfaction for your soul. Jesus paid for the door with his precious blood for you and for me. And he provided the key. He took the key out of hell. He went through the worst of the worst. He suffered and died. And he rose again so that we can go through the door. The choice is yours. And so I'm going to put it off next week. I'm going to put it off next month. I'll do it later. Listen, my friend, you're not guaranteed later. The only time you're guaranteed is right now. It's just a minute, I'm going to pray. And in the middle of that prayer, I'm going to do something, maybe if you've not been here before, but I'm going to do something that's a little different. But in the middle of that prayer, I'm going to stop. I'm going to talk to you. Maybe you're here today. You've never walked through the door. You've never walked through Jesus. You've never taken the key. You've never let him into your life. And today, you're like, I want to do that. And in the middle of that prayer, I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to say, repeat a few words. You don't have to say it out loud. Cool thing about God is that God is listening right where you're at in the silence of your heart. And you're not praying it to me. You're praying it to a God who hears and only a God who can save. And all you have to do is cry out to him. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord. You shall be saved. That's the key. That's the key. You say, well, do I need to do this and that? No, no, no. The key is complete trust in the one who did it all for you. With head bows and eyes closed. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this few minutes. The next few minutes, God, may be the most important minutes of a person's life. For the next few minutes, we have the opportunity to open the door and to walk through Jesus and to have full access to our Heavenly Father. And so God, maybe there's someone here today they've never asked Jesus to come into their heart. But they're out here today and they're saying, God, today I need to do that. Today, I want to take the key. And I want to ask Jesus to come to my life. And my friend, this is all you have to do. No one's looking around. You just pray this prayer right where you're at. I pray you like this. Dear God, oh, I am a sinner. And I have gone through so many doors of my life. Doors of financial success, doors of promotion, 
doors of relationship. I even walked through the doors of religious exercises. And at the end of the day, God, I know I'm missing something. And today, I realize that I need you and only you. I need you to come into the door of my heart, come into my life, and be my Lord and Savior. Today, I want to take the key that's been paid for by your precious blood. I want to have eternal life. I want to have access to God where I am saved, where I can be satisfied forevermore. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for coming out of the grave. Thank you, Jesus. With head bowed, eyes closed. I said, Scott, I prayed that prayer. And today, I ask Jesus to come into my life. No one's looking. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to recognize who you are. But you ask Jesus to come in your life. You just pray that prayer. We just raise your hand. Simply raise your hand quietly. I see that hand over here. Do another hand. Amen. That's awesome. Who else? I see that hand in the back. Anyone else? He said, today, I took the key. And I asked Jesus to come to my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Anyone else? Oh, God, we thank you for your salvation. We thank you on this Easter Sunday. We thank you for the door. We thank you that we have access to a heavenly Father that loves us so. In the name of Jesus, amen. You stand and sing this last song with us, please.
the blood of